Hello, friends. This is Pastor Pierce Eaton, and you're listening to First and Foremost, a podcast where we give you teaching and tools to make Jesus Christ first and foremost in your life. So we are continuing in our series on spiritual disciplines, and this is called Rhythms and Disciplines, Establishing Patterns for Transformation. Our focal verse for the series has been 1 Timothy 4.9, where we are instructed to train yourself for godliness. Uh, We've talked about quite a bit how God works by the power of his Holy Spirit that's placed in the life of a believer to uh, sanctify us, to work in us from the inside out, making us holy, working sins out of us and working and turning us for his good purpose. And one of the ways that God does that is through the various spiritual rhythms and disciplines prescribed to us in scripture. Last week, Jerry preached so well on serving. Uh, Thank you, Jerry, for preaching last week. And uh, this week we're jumping into the spiritual discipline of stewardship. Stewardship. So, no, this will not be a sermon all about money. (laughs) Um, So, if you will open your Bible to the first page, um, and we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Some of you might have this memorized. So, what we're going to do is look at Genesis 1, 1, then we're going to skip down to verse 26 through 28. Will you please stand as we read God's word? If you don't have your Bible, you can look on the screen. God's word says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Let's pray. Father, as we... Look to your word today as we seek to know more of what stewardship is and how we're called to be stewards. This is part of the image that we're made in, is to be rulers, to be stewards. Father, help us to see how we can do that well and to your glory this morning. Give us the ears to hear you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take a seat. So three points for you this morning. Three points. The first one is that nothing is yours. Nothing is yours. So if you have kids, you're probably familiar with the mine phase. Right, So uh, when a kid is around two years old or so, they enter this phase where everything in the world is theirs. At least that's what they think. 
right? So the toy that's in their hand is theirs. The, the thing that's across the room is theirs. The shirt that's on your back is theirs. Everything is theirs. And they tell you about it all the time. Every kid, almost every kid enters into this phase. So Karen and I have two daughters, now Lila, who is four years old, and Flora, who is one and a half. And when Flora was around four months old, she began sitting up and grabbing toys and chewing on things and doing all of that. And, and Lila was still kind of getting adjusted to this whole big sister thing. And she was really kind of, had just come out of the mind phase, but it was still deeply seated in her, her thoughts and in her heart because she was the only child up to that point. And so when Flora would start to grab toys, even though Lila was playing with a different toy all the way across the room, she would see that Flora grabbed something and she would run over and pry it from her hands and say, no, Flora, you cannot play with this. This is my toy. And she would walk away. And then we, you know, crying would ensue and all of that. And so it didn't take long before we had to have the talk with her that, uh, that many parents have to have with their kids. Uh, if you have teenagers, I'm sure you have to have the talk like probably twice a year, which is that, no, it's not yours, right? And so we had to sit down, Lila, and tell her, so I know that every time that Fleur grabs a toy, you, you get kind of territorial over that. You want to take it back because it's your toy, but we want to tell you that that's not your toy. That's my toy. Your mom and I bought that toy for our children to play with. You're one of our children, and so is Flora. That is not your toy to take away from somebody. So you don't have the ability or the authority to take it away because it is not yours. And if you don't play nicely with your sister, then we will take it all away. And surprisingly, as a three-year-old or so, she, she understood that. She plays really well with her sister now. Uh, I think mostly because of the hard work of my wife um, in training them well. But uh, we could see in our passage that who created everything in Genesis 1? Oh, that's right. You didn't create it? God created it. That's right. So everything is rightfully yours? No, everything is rightfully his. He created everything. God has absolute ownership rights over everything. We can see in verse 26 through 28 that God gives us dominion as stewards of his creation. We're given stewardship over his creation, but it's his creation Nothing is ours. This is a very important foundational truth. In order for us to understand stewardship, we have to understand this idea. Everything is God's. Everything. Psalm 24 verse 1 states that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. So everything is not rightfully yours. You didn't create it. You might have thought you earned it for a second, but actually the ability for you to earn whatever you have earned was given to you. Do you know that the Bible states that? 
Deuteronomy 8, verses 17 and 18 say, Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Everything you have, whether you think you earned it, whether it was given, it was all actually given. Nothing is ever truly yours, and as quickly as it was given, or more quickly, I should say, it can be taken away. James 1.17 tells us that every good and pleasing and perfect gift is from God. This means that your money is not yours. Your family, they're not yours. Your kids, yeah, they're not yours. Your house that you live in, it's not yours. Your talents, well, those are given to you. They're not really yours. Your uh, time, it's not your time. Your life, everything that you think is yours is not yours. It was given. This is something I, th- I hope that we can grasp this because if we don't grasp this idea, then stewardship makes no sense. To miss starting here is like misaligning the top button of a shirt or a blouse. You ever done that? I know you have. And you walk around looking like a dummy, right? <laughs> no, you misalign that first one. doesn't matter how much further you go, everything is out of alignment. You have to start here, right? So if you are not the owner, then what are you? You are the steward. That's point two this morning. You are a steward. Okay, so what on earth is a steward? So the term steward refers to a person who is, uh, it's often in a monarchy, who was placed as a servant ruler underneath a king. So uh, a, a king would go off to battle, go off to war with his army, and he would leave someone behind to rule over the kingdom when he was gone. Because someone had to rule over when the king was gone. And so the king would leave someone behind and say, this is my kingdom, but you are to rule it in alignment with how I would rule it. And the steward would remain. Or sometimes there were stewards who were put over certain uh, areas of the monarchy that maybe the, the, the king's kingdom had grown. They'd annexed an area of the kingdom and it was too far away for the king to rule on a day-to-day basis. And so he would have to put a steward at that place to rule in alignment with the king's desires because the king couldn't realistically rule that. And and every once in a while, the king would go and visit and make sure that the steward is ruling in alignment with the king. But you notice here, a steward is not ruling his own kingdom. The steward is simply serving the king because everything that the steward deals with is the king's. So when the king returned from war, he would assess whether the steward faithfully ruled in his stead and if he was ruling in alignment with what the king desired. Was it good for the kingdom or was it not? 
Stewards understood and understand that everything is the king's and that he is called to be a faithful servant of the king and to use his res the resources entrusted to him for the king's good purposes. This is exactly what we are. If you're a believer and follower of Christ, then you are a servant of the king of the universe. Everything is his. Everything in your life is his. It's not yours. It's his. And you must understand the entirety of your life should uh, be used for his good plans, his good purpose, and to build his kingdom. For most of us, we think of stewardship only having to do with money, right? That's usually in, in Christendom, or at least in the, the, the Western church, we use the word stewardship in alignment with uh, when we're talking about money, being a good steward of our finances. And uh, yes, God calls us to be a good steward of the money that we're given, but stewardship encompasses so much more than all of that. So Jerry preached last week and used this verse, 1 Peter 4.10, that says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So we've all received various gifts. The context for this is about spiritual gifts. But we've all received all kinds of gifts, and we are to use it for God's good purposes. Stewardship extends beyond our money and includes our time, our talents, our relationships, our mind, our physical body, our resources, whatever we might have, our influence. It includes every aspect of our lives, including the gospel itself. Did you know that four times in Paul's writings, he calls himself a steward of the gospel? That, that he saw himself as someone who had received the good news, the gift of the good news of Jesus, and so he saw his life as being a good steward of that good news to carry it to people who had never heard it. So we're even to steward the gospel that we've received. A steward looks like, or sorry, a steward looks at what he's been given and seeks to tend to it, care for it, to multiply it, and to ultimately use it to honor his master. And this is point three this morning, where we'll spend most of our time. Stewards seek to honor their master. Stewards seek to honor their master. If you'll look with me at Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 13, Jesus is speaking and he says, One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to, to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in in that which is another's, who will give to you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, Jesus here is speaking about money, but this truth applies to all things. 
we see in our passage that we cannot seek the gifts above the giver. If we do that, then we will despise the gift giver. Therefore, we cannot serve both God and money as our master. We cannot serve both God and time or talents or our health or our influence or whatever we think will satisfy us in this life. Those things will not. Instead, we recognize that those things are rightfully God's, that he gave them to us. He gifted those things to us. And they were simply to be stewards of those good things. We're to seek and seek to honor God with those things. So, faithful stewardship means that we fully acknowledge that we are not our own, but that we belong to Christ. Paul writes that you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Your life isn't your own. And so we seek to use everything God has placed under our authority, under our rule as stewards of whatever God has placed under, under us. We are to use that for God's good plan and purpose. We care for and shepherd to and, and, and tend to and multiply and all of that um, to use what God has placed under our authority for his kingdom purpose. So stewardship, let me just dispel some myths, right? So there's a lot of people who think that stewardship is about taking care of what you have. That's often, that's often the way that we think of stewardship is just tending to what we have so that we have nice things. That is not stewardship. And I know some of you are like, hold on. No, 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 no. Because this is the way that we think about stewardship is taking care of the stuff we have is being a good steward. But that is not biblical stewardship. Stewardship is not about taking care of the nice things we have so that we have nice things. Instead, it's about using what has been gifted to us for the purposes it was gifted to us, which is to glorify God, to build his kingdom, and to love his bride, to love the church. That is, that is why you've been given, what you've been given was given to you, is for that purpose, to that end, to glorify God, to build his kingdom, and to love his bride. So going back to kind of the root of stewardship, this, this idea of a king and someone he places under his rule, think about this. If a king got back from being off at war and, and he gets back home and he goes to his castle and he hears great things about what the steward has done and, and he shows up and he, and he gets there and he learns that the steward has done great things. But what the steward has done great things is for the steward's own household, not for the kingdom. That the, the steward built his wealth. The, the steward used uh, the king's position and influence and, and wealth to build up his own treasures. What would happen to that steward? Yeah, the king would not say, great job. You used all my stuff for your own selfish purposes. No, the king would throw that guy in, in jail and take all that the steward thought he accumulated for his own. The king would take it for his own 
and he would throw that steward in jail, in prison, because that's not being a good steward. The steward is given a position of authority, of, of ruling in the king's stead for the king's purpose, for the kingdom for, that the king is over. So, this is the myth I think I want us to dispel this morning about stewardship. If, if you are being a good steward of your finances so that you can build lots of wealth for yourself, so you can, you know, swim in the money like, like uh, that, that, that duck, that cartoon of the duck, I can't think of the name of it. Scrooge McDuck, yes, okay, yes. It's the one I can think of. Um, some of you are like, I have no clue, I'm sorry, you weren't a 90s kid, so. Um, so uh, if, if, our whole, if our whole endeavor in life is to, uh, is to gain wealth, to be a good steward of what we've been given so that we just build wealth, then we're not being a good steward. The only reason God has given you money is so that you can use it for his kingdom. If, if working your whole life to retire at the end of your life, your, your whole thought in that is, I'm going to be a good steward of my time by spending it frivolously, doing whatever I want, whenever I want. That's not being a good steward of your time if you're not using it for God's kingdom purpose. And I'm not saying that entertainment is a bad thing. I'm not saying that going on trips are a bad thing. I'm not saying that buying something for yourself is a bad thing. But the question is, are you stewarding what God has gifted to you for his kingdom purpose? So what does it practically look like? We're going to get to practical stuff. So what is practical, uh, or what does good stewardship look like practically? Well, first it looks like intentionality and sacrifice, self-sacrifice. So good stewardship takes intentionality and self-sacrifice. You cannot unintentionally be a good steward because it's against your nature. It is. We naturally want to build our own kingdom, not to labor for the cause of God's kingdom. And so it takes intentionality. It also takes sacrifice because you cannot be a good steward if the gifts you are stewarding are all about you. Good stewardship is not about the prosperity of the steward, but is about the prosperity of the kingdom and the honor of the king. And so it takes sacrifice. There are three areas this morning I want to just highlight. There are more areas than this that we could talk about practically of what stewardship looks like. But the first one is, dun-dun, money, right? So uh, what does it look like to be a good steward of the money that we've been given? Or some of us, we feel like the lack of money that we've been given, right? And so it looks like living life with open hands. It looks like living life with open hands. It's God's money. It's not mine. And so, Lord, you can, you can give and you can take. It's yours. Wherever you call me to give, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to give there. So this means that we give to God's kingdom work sacrificially. We do this through our tithes to our local church. We do this through offering above that tithe to God's kingdom 
work in the local church. Um, there is, I'm so excited uh, about some things that are in the pipeline, ready to come down in 2024. We're going to be announcing some really cool, uh, I hope you guys think it's cool. Um, but we're going to be announcing some really awesome ministry opportunities that we're going to have as a church. My, my goal is uh, to, to make it to where when you think about kingdom work, world impact, when you think about uh, how God is using his people to impact the world for the gospel, that you think of First Baptist Church, Texas City. And so we are working, endeavoring towards that but we give to what God is doing there. We, this also means financially we don't spend our money frivolously and we do this so that we can give more, not just so that we can put, keep more money in our pocket. We live more modestly. Maybe we don't buy that car. Maybe we don't you know, do this or do that thing. Maybe we don't eat out as much. We, we do that so that we can give more. Likewise, uh, this looks like living on a budget. Uh, it looks like saving money. It looks like making wise investments. All of that, but it's all for God's kingdom work. We don't want to be like the two-year-old who says, mine, it's not really ours. Time. One of the things that we probably don't steward very well, we can talk about this in the coming weeks in another discipline, is our time. So uh, stewarding our time looks like seeing our life, our time as God's. So we seek to grow our relationship with God through doing the various spiritual rhythms and disciplines prescribed to us in scripture, what this series is about. Many of us think we don't have enough time to do that. I can promise you, you do. You're probably not being a good steward of your time. This also looks like creating time in our life to serve God by serving his church. We schedule things, we make a calendar, we take uh, account of our time to make sure we're using it wisely. We set up boundaries where boundaries need to be set up so that we're not using our time frivolously and wasting it on hours and hours of entertainment that is mindless. Goodness, we all fall into that, don't we? We live in an entertainment-centered society. You want to be entertained? You've got something in your pocket that can do it. You've got, I mean, we've got TVs all over the room. We've got anything. We've got, we've got so much that can entertain, entertain us at any moment. And so we need to keep track of our time and set up boundaries so that we can say no to time-sucking things. Relationships. This is the last one. Stewarding our relationships. God has given you, and maybe another way to think of this is stewarding our influence. So God has given you a sphere of influence, a, a, a sphere of relationships. He has placed you where he's placed you for a reason. He's given you the gifts that he's given you for a reason. The people that live on your block, they live there for a reason. All, all of this God is using and working or plans to work through you for his kingdom purpose. And this is through the relationships that we have. 
So the relationships, are we using our marriage to glorify God? Are we investing in our marriage? Are we praying for one another and challenging one another, helping one another grow in Christ? Our kids, are we discipling our kids, helping them know the word of God, helping them form their mind to to seek the Lord in all things, helping them see what it looks like to really live for Christ? Are we using our work relationships to point people to Christ? Are we a good steward of those? Or do we all only talk about golf or the weather? Man, you know, this cold front's coming in pretty crazy. All right, see you later. You know, it's like, come on, guys. Like, are we being a good steward of what we've been given? Are we being a good steward of our break room? Are we being a good steward of all the different relationships and friendships and and neighbors that have been placed around us? Are we being a good steward of those things? Gosh, this is convicting to me. I can be honest and say that I'm not. In many ways, I'm not. And I know I'm not alone in that. We moved into our house in December, December 27th, I think, this past year. And we still have a few neighbors on our street that we have yet to meet. And my goal when we first moved in is I'm going to meet every neighbor and I'm going to evangelize all of them. They're all going to be members of our church in the next six months. And I haven't. You know, life, life gets in the way. Life catches up to you. Things, things derail all of that. And I get that. But are we being a good steward with what we've been given? Or being a good steward of that sphere of influence we've been given? I haven't only ever been a pastor. I have worked in uh, secular jobs. I, I know what it's like to have people that you, you work alongside who are not believers. The question is, are you looking for opportunities to, to turn the conversation, to point them to Jesus, or are you just okay with being the shallow person that you just talk about the weather? God has placed us where he's placed us. He's gifted us where he's gifted us. He's given us what he's given us for a reason and a purpose. And it is to build his kingdom, to make him famous and to love his people. And there are many other areas we're called to be good stewards outside of just this. But these are three really important areas It takes intentionality and sacrifice. But when we are good stewards of what God has entrusted to us, he gets glory. And that's ultimately what this is about. A couple weeks ago, I preached on worship and and talked about how worship is a meta-discipline, meta-spiritual discipline, right? That all the other spiritual disciplines are encompassed in that because they're forms of worship. And so is stewardship. Stewardship is an act of worship because God is glorified when we use the gifts he has given us for his good purpose in our world. And so I want to encourage you this morning, analyze the areas of your life where you are being a poor steward. It's not something to feel guilty about. Jesus has paid for your guilt, okay? So this isn't something to guilt trip you. This is something to encourage you that God wants to use those areas for mighty things if we're willing to let him. 
So analyze those areas you've been a poor steward. Make a plan for how you can become a better steward of that thing and then implement the plan. Start small. You don't have to think like I did. I'm going to evangelize every single person on my street. That didn't work. But I did meet some of my neighbors. I did talk to some of them about Jesus, and I got a few more to go. So let's look for opportunities to grow in stewardship this week. Let's respond this morning in praise and in prayer. If you'd like to pray with someone, we're going to have some of our Bible study leaders around the room. They'll be on the sides and on the backs of the room. If you want prayer about anything, whether it's about stewardship or something totally different, um, they want to pray with you, and we want you to have an opportunity to pray with someone this morning. But for those of us who are ready to praise, I want to ask you to stand. Let me pray for us, and we'll continue praising. Father, Thank you for everything that you've given us. It's all yours. Help us to see that, Father. When we're driving, when we walk out into the parking lot and we go to get in a car, Lord, help us to see that it's your car. Lord, as we drive home to our house, help us to see that it's your house. May we use it for your glory. And Father, in every aspect of our lives, relationships, our influence, the time we have, the money we have. Father, help us to be people who are willing to cast it all at your feet. That we're people who are willing to live and open our lives to, in every way for your glory and for what you have for us. You want to move in our lives in mighty ways. You've placed us where you've placed us for a reason. Help us to see that this morning. Lord, as we continue to praise you, as we continue to worship you, I ask that you bring to our mind what areas we should seek to grow in stewardship. And Lord, if there's any of us that need prayer, love, care, that we go to that person and seek prayer. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.